It's the state of Victorian greyhound racing and the stories behind the sport. This is RSN 927's Off The Leash. Yes, welcome to the latest edition of Off The Leash for Greyhound Racing Victoria on RSN 927 Relays and social media. You are with Andrew Cues joining us from the GRV team, Molly Haynes and George Ferruja. How are you both today? I'm good, thank you. Yeah, got here nice and early. The kids are at home on school <laughs> holidays, so I got out of the house uh, quick, fast. But no, uh, fantastic week of greyhound racing with the heats of the Brisbane Cup last week. We'll chat about them. This is a ripping final uh, tomorrow night. Let's start, though, by talking about some proposed track designs for Terralgan, of course, uh, who has had some issues over the years. So uh, they're going to get it right and they want to get some feedback in fact and uh, make sure everything is uh, crossed and dotted Molly. Yes that's right look there's two proposed track designs out for con- out for consultation at the moment. There's a new state-of-the-art J-curve design which incorporates a 300 metre straight track as well as 400 and 500 metre start so if you kind of imagine it's like a reverse J um, and the greyhounds are starting on the straight track and then running into the curve there's two catching pens in this situation Look, it's a little bit of a hard one to um, to describe. It's probably best for people to jump on the GRV website and have a look at the designs as well as um, the run-through of, of the tracks. But there's also a more traditional U-curve track with 350-metre, 420 and 500 proposed um, uh, starting points. Now, these two tracks were designed by track experts David Allen and David Eager. Now, these two were involved in the rebuild of Horsham, which is actually now rated as our safest track. So you think that we're in pretty good hands when it comes to these designs. Yeah, look, and I urge people to go to the website to have a look, especially the the, the J uh, curve, because it's something that a lot of ground people yeah. wouldn't be used to, a really long straight and then uh, the curve into the, the finishing line uh, at the end. Um, but as you said, uh, Molly, just off air, that, that then there will be straight track racing as well, yep. where the J curve won't be utilised on that certain day. So uh, I think it'll cater for a lot of different greyhounds and, yep. and a lot of their needs. And yeah, look, uh, Horsham obviously is one of the, the best tracks. And we recently seen in South Australia, Murray Bridge have exactly. that sort of thing too, where people think that the track design is, is fantastic and yep. uh, the injuries are down and, and whatever. So yeah, go on the website and have a look. It's really, really interesting. Yeah. And we can't forget tonight to are going to hosting a club consultation evening. So I believe David Allen, David Eager, Scott Robbins um, from GRV is going to be there. They're going to have a bit of a, t- a panel to discuss people's concerns or questions around the track. And we're really hoping it's a really constructive conversation so everyone can have their say because we can't stress enough, none of these designs have been set in stone. They're, they're out for consultation because we want everyone's opinion. So can you give those listening that are not uh, that knowledgeable about uh, what might be the potential feedback, what would be the obvious questions that might be asked tonight at Terrelgan in terms, you mentioned maybe concerns or, or uh, points that want to be raised, George and Molly, what would be the most obvious things they're going to be asking or raising? I think, um, first of all, with the, the J-curve, or the, the reverse J-curve is probably best described, is there's going to have to be two viewing points because the straight track is obviously connected to, to the bend, which is kind of like a snail's shell, focusing on that really wide transition. They're not wanting sharp turns um, because that's putting a lot of G-force, which is a, a term I've learnt recently, um, onto the greyhounds. You know, the less G-force, the better it is for the greyhounds. 
Greyhound. So I think the fact that there's going to have to be two viewing points is going to be the grandstand with obviously the you know the J curve finish to cater for that. But then there's going to have to be another viewing area for the straight track racing, which yeah. is a little bit of a concern for some people. But look, it's different, and people sometimes can be a little bit scared of different, which is why I think people may may you know curve towards the, the U curve track. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how it looks televised. I yep. suppose too. That's uh, exactly. interesting one too. So yeah, look, I, I suppose they'll be asking questions about the J curve and why they've gone down that route uh, in regards to safety uh, for greyhounds. But also, we've still got the U turn tracks, so yep. which have been so popular for so many years, and, and seemingly. Uh, but even the two city tracks, to be fair, um, I think they've got a hell of a lot safer. Yep. Um, unfortunately, we're dealing with greyhounds who, who are pushing seven. 70Ks an hour, there's always yeah. going to be some sort of interference, but uh, interesting to see what comes out of the yeah. consultation. And, and look, I could be wrong with this statement, but I believe from just in conversations I've been involved in, there's actually going to be a, a little bit of an up uphill run into that straight track. So the idea is making sure the greyhounds aren't at peak speed when they're going around that corner. So the slower they are going around that corner, the less forces and less trouble you'd think they're going to get into. So it's going to take a very strong dog to run out a 400 or a 500 there. Um, so that's definitely something that'll go into consideration. Never thought of maybe just a 40k zone at the first turn. <laughs> just <laughs> so put a sign on. They, <laughs> they never listen, <laughs> mate. That's why they can't read. Uh, what about Cranbourne Trio's Winter Cup? Yeah, look, just quickly, Starter Riot became our first winner of the Trio's Winter Cup for Lisa and Keith Helmuth. Look, $13 this Greyhound um, paid for this win. Yeah, silly odds <laughs> when you consider the, the quality of Starter Riot, especially uh, when they when she nails the start. She's exactly. very, very, very quick Greyhound. $20,000 for the winner, so Nothing to be sneezed at, and um, yeah, look, she defeated a really good field, but she just put paid to them early, and that was that. Exactly. Well, speaking of good prize money, $250,000 first prize. I know greyhound racing has come a long way in recent years, but just when you see that uh, prize for a race in Brisbane, no wonder there's some pretty good uh, types up there. And as I said, uh, Molly, lots of... uh, Lots of people chasing a huge first prize there. Yes, look, Victoria has half the field heading up to Brisbane. Um, I believe most of them will be in Brisbane at the moment. And there's Baruga Brett Seneke, who's obviously a uh, derby winner there on the track not too long ago. Dinah Paddy, who I just thought was super, super impressive in her heat win. And Lucy's Milo. So, look, I think Victoria's in with a good chance, but there's a little greyhound by the name of Black Opium, former Victorian, Victorian owned and she was ridiculous in her heat win. Yeah, look, she's an absolute star. I thought the the money on offer for her at around the 225 was um, stealing money, to be honest. I I just think she's starting to... um Look, looking at her record, she's starting to show that she's much better suited if she's drawn a little bit off the track. I yep. think her record um, suggests that as well. Um, and you might look at this race and go, how is she going to get across some of these other greyhounds? Mm-hmm. But she seems to find a way. She did it in the Australian Cup off Box 7 where yep. there was so much speed on her inside. And um, Dinah Paddy, of course, held the fence and beat her. But she was still able to get across uh, six other greyhounds. Mm-hmm. I think she's a huge chance. I think uh, Seneke, again, was massive uh, yep. in that run against Orson Allen. I actually heard Steve White say that he's really just looking for improvement. The dog was put in a little bit on the underdone side. So if yeah. that's underdone for um, Seneke, 
I'd love to well, know, to know what overdone is. Well, the other thing is too uh, credit to the greyhound for having to get over the fact that the week before he was very badly hampered on that yep. corner. Um, so I mean, you know, if we walk down a dark alley and something not too nice happens, I mean, we'd be scared to go down there the week after. And I think Seneki was fantastic in, in overcoming that hurdle. I think he's drawn okay too. Yep. He, he should be able to beat Zipping Bailey out. Baruga Brett's a, a greyhound that can sometimes use a little bit of the track, but Seneki might be off and gone. He's uh, first splits uh, at Albion Park uh, Mole have been outstanding. Mm-hmm. He looks the main danger to me. And of course, Dinah Paddy, as you mentioned, is really well drawn. Zipping Bailey doesn't have enough speed to go with Dinah Paddy early. And Mystic Riot, from what we see, does like to use a bit of the track. So Dinah Paddy will get every opportunity. Can she win her second $250,000 to the winner race? It's funny. You, you think of Dinah Paddy, you know how good she, she is, but she's she just kind of slips under the radar for me all the time. I mean, she's got an Australian Cup, a Maturity, and a Warnable Cup under her belt. Like <laughs> she's freakish, isn't she? It's yeah. And I've got a running bet uh, with Jason Pontington. I'm on uh, Black Opium, and he's on Dinah Patty. So I'm starting <laughs> to get the sweats up here because, yeah, looking at the box draw, she's certainly going to be a huge chance. She's Absolutely. a star. Black Opium currently two dollars fifty at Tab Fixed Odds favourite, as you say. Three other greyhounds, in fact, uh, inside five dollars. Orson Allen four twenty, Dinah Patty four twenty, and Sanachi four sixty. So uh, half the field, pretty much, uh, in the betting near favourite or second favourite. So a very good betting race coming up. Staying in uh, Brisbane, of course. Aside from uh, the uh, Brisbane Cup. Um, in fact, let's talk about the uh, Super Stayers. Yeah, so Tornado Tears got there, and what a run it was. It was a four-dog field, 25,000 to the winner over the staying distance, Group 3 status, and look, I've, I you, loved You would have been very run. excited, right? I was. Yeah. Like, Ella Enchanted led everywhere but on the line, but, you know, Tornado Tears, it's funny, now that Robbie's said that he runs and he's hitting the rail, it's just something that you see now. You just you see and you can't unsee it. Yeah, I know. Uh, he, you're right, and he did it again in yeah. the race. He, he actually did it again. Oh, look, I backed Ella Enchanted. I won't lie, and um, <laughs> she was around five dollars. So. I was walking around like a, a rooster and quickly went to a feather duster about, you know, 50 metres from the post. She was really gallant, but oh, wasn't she? She was She great. tried her absolute heart out in Tornado Tears. Look, just the champion qualities got him off the line. But again, he did uh, hit the fence yep. early. And I thought, well, our enchant is going to get a big enough lead here, but um, you can't hold champions down. It was a terrific return to form. Will that hold him in good stead for the next six or 12 months? Hopefully. It's RSN 927's Off The Leash. You are with Andrew Cues, Molly Haynes, George Ferugia talking greyhounds off the leash on RSN for GRV. And shortly a special guest on the program today, Angela Galea, will join us with uh, one of the fancies in the Bendigo Cup. But let's talk about the uh, Bendigo, Bendigo Cup final field and some of the talking points off the back of the uh, heats uh, last Sunday, uh, Molly. Look, I'm very excited about this one on on Friday night. There's some great speed in this race, but one greyhound we we have to mention off the top is Crimson Crimson Vixen. She flew out of the lids. It's like I almost missed her when she jumped out, and I think I could hear the Warnable crowd, her support system, cheering her home in this Bendigo Cup here <laughs> yeah, win. Yeah, it was like she had a 50 knot gale behind her as she <laughs> came out. But look, um, this is a really fresh looking Bendigo Cup, if yep. that makes sense, because we've had so many country cups where you have greyhounds who have made four or five different country cups in the lead up I think Crimson Vixen and Jabrina are the only two greyhounds to previously make a country cup. Yeah, um, I have so, to agree with you there. Yeah, these are all sort of um, new to the to this sort of level. 
And we did discuss about Crimson Vixen's run in that Warrnambool Cup where she did get beaten by Dinah Paddy and Orson Allen and it was going to hold her in good stead for future races. Yeah. And I think this is the perfect example of that, Molly. Um, she flew out. Her splits were almost record-breaking yep. and then to run 23.54. If she begins like that again, well, I think it's times and margins for, for yep. Crimson Vixen. Anything can happen in greyhound racing, but she was absolutely awesome. And Wally Neil. Nil? Mill, yeah, Wally Mill. Yeah. Mill, oh, yep. so I've spelt it wrong here. Yeah, that's good, right. on, good yeah. on me. Now he is attempting to become the first local Bendigo Cup winner since 1997. Huge effort there by Rodney Clark. Also got the first reserve in Crank and Lightning. I was I was going to um, mention uh, Rod because I think he's had a terrific year, uh, Rod Clark. I believe he's had about the third or fourth most winners in Victoria as a yeah. trainer, wow. which is a fantastic effort for for Rod. He's got a really good team, Apex within these type of greyhounds. Yep. A lot of the Kraken Greyhounds, as you mentioned. But look, Wally's got a lot of speed. He went 23.81. But again, he was about two and a half seconds, two and a half seconds, two and a half lengths off Crimson Vixen's first split. So that's going to be the worry for him. If she gets out and goes on that speed track, she's going to be hard to run down. And look, time to talk. We're talking to Angela Galea after this. And I love this Greyhound. I, You know, the repeat mating to her sister, the the older sister, It's All Talk. Yep. This this line is just everything you want in a Greyhound. They jump straight to the lead. They run out their 500 well. And uh, I'm so excited to see this Greyhound in a country cup because I know that this type of racing suits her to the ground. Pure, pure speed, doesn't yep. she? I mean, that that's the, the beauty with her. She's got... Um a little bit of speed around her, but um, she, she's handled um, you know awkward draws in the past. I was there on Melbourne Cup night, I think, when she led all the way in pretty quick time yeah. too. Uh, I think there's uh, well, interesting to see what Angela uh, says. I think there was a little bit of injury concerns with her too, and I think she's finally got her right. So, look, there's a lot of talent in this race. Obviously, Jabrina as well has yeah. been a terrific greyhound for a long time. But I, I just that first split of 6.38 for Crimson Vixen, wow. I mean, a replica of that, and she'll be incredibly hard to beat. So who are you tipping, George? Yeah, look, uh, Crimson for, for mine. I think she's got the experience now. She's made two group finals. She unfortunately fell in that Sapphire Crown. Yep. But that, that run where she led the Warnable Cup against Orson Allen, Dinah Paddy, showed that she's got the she's got what it takes to lead really good fields. And I think if she can do that here, she'll be hard to beat. And Molly, who well, are you tipping? Look, I have to agree with you. I don't I don't like agreeing with you, but yeah, I think I Crimson <laughs> Vixen, I think you're silly if, if you go against her. It's RSN 927's Off The Leash. Well, joining us on Off The Leash, a lady who hopes to upset Crimson Vixen, of course, a trainer of uh, her dog in the race. Time to talk. Angela Galea joins us on Off The Leash on RSN. Good morning, Angela. It's Molly here. Good morning. Now, before we talk Bendigo Cup, I have to ask you about Time to Talk's mother, Fainting Fancies. Now, her first letter to Magic Sprite produced straight track royalty in It's All Talk. Now, talk me through the decision to go back a second and third time to Magic Sprite because repeat matings are one of those controversial topics when it comes to, to the breeding. They are controversial, you're right. But look, It's All Talk um, was the... First litter, yeah, out of the first litter. Uh, and the rest of the litter also won numerous races. All were very successful on the racetrack. So we really didn't have a hesitation to go back to Magic Sprite the second time. And that produced Time to Talk. Um, there were three in the litter, uh, Time to Talk. And the other two also have been successful and, and won races so far. Um, and the third litter, the repeat third um, litter, is uh, only one week old to Magic Sprite. So we're hoping uh, 
something good out of that as well. So you've got a busy week ahead of you, Angela. Uh, good morning. It's uh, George Ferrugia here. Just on It's All Talk, uh, Angela, retired uh, with 55 starts for 32 wins, so an extraordinary uh, strike rate. And her early speed, as, uh, as Molly touched on, was outstanding, but she was able to win some nice races at Sandown as well. What was your um, the basis of your decision to retire her? I think at the time of um, at retirement, she was still running best of the night times. Or was it just something that you thought she's, she's had enough and, and let's turn her into a mum? No, look, she was doing well. She all her career just was so consistent. Uh, but unfortunately, she tore her back muscle in the one of uh, in her last race. Okay. Uh, and the decision to retire us was just straight away. There was there was no questions. Um, she she did so much for us and and ran so well that yeah, just just retired us straight away after that. Now, do you have a highlight out of her career? I mean, there is so much to choose from, but surely that there's one thing that just springs to mind when and puts a smile on your face when you're talking about it's all talk. Yeah, look, she um, she was a great dog for us. Like I said, there were so many highlights in in her career. But uh, look, the standout for me was probably the heats and the semis. Her winning both of the laurels, uh, they were a standout for me. They were a great buzz. Uh, but look, I just love watching the race. She was just consistent week after week. Um, and you just couldn't ask more from her. I think she went into that Laurel Series winning seven from seven or something like that, Angela, too. I mean, it was yeah. a, a terrific start to her career at Hillsville, and then to, to bring it to the uh, circle tracks was was fantastic. She um, was sent to Barsha Bale, and I believe she didn't have any pups. Are, are you still looking to use Barsha Bale as a sire for her? Yeah, absolutely. Look, he's a proven sire, and, and I think she will match him quite well. Um, so I've got a, a bath straw waiting for her. So, uh, yep, just waiting for her to come on season. Now, time to talk. I remember writing a story about this greyhound, her second start into her career when she broke the 410 track record at Horsham. Now, that's a record that still stands to this day. Was that something you expected two starts into this greyhound's career? Oh, look, she um, look. She's always been a she's always shown ability from from a young age. But look, she tried at Horsham the week prior to the heat. Uh, running an exceptional time, um, and then uh, she was just uh, 20 months at that age, so I didn't really expect that she would break the track record at just you know under 20 months, but and at a second start. But yeah, that was just a great run from her. It was it was phenomenal. She's uh, been a terrific greyhound. I think I was saying to Mol earlier that we she on uh, Melbourne Cup night she won a, a good little race uh, at Sandown, so she's certainly versatile. She had box one in her Bendigo Cup heat. Uh, what did you make of her run? I thought it was really gutsy. Yeah, look, I was very happy with the run. She jumped uh, and, and led all the way against some really handy dogs. There were some really great dogs in that race, um, and she'll be better for the run. She will, she will, be, she will be better for that run, and, and that will top her up for, for the final. Now, although she'll be better for the run, Box 5 in the Bendigo Cup on Friday, there's plenty of speed in this field, including Crimson Vixen. What kind of chance are you giving her for a Country Cup win? Oh, look, there's some very good dogs in the race. And, and Box 5, she'll, she will need some luck. Um, she'll need some you know, some space early to, to be able to, to find, her, find her feet. But, uh, look, Crimson Fire, you can't really go past that dog. It's just, I think we're all just needing to, to beat that dog, and it's going to be very hard. Now Angela I know trainers don't like to look too far ahead because uh, things happen with greyhounds, injuries and the like but have you got a, something planned uh, after the Bendigo Cup uh, for your star greyhound? Uh, not at this stage no, uh, just see how she calls up after Friday and, and we just like to take it one race at a time to see what's coming up and uh, yeah just plan as we go so we'll just see how, how she goes after Friday. 
Now, lucky last question. You share training duties with your father, Martin. Is it a a great father-daughter bonding experience or does it sometimes cause a few arguments with what each dog's going to do each week? Look, uh, look, he's been training for over 40 years, so I've been lucky enough to learn a lot from him. Um, but we've got, we are both passionate about our dogs, so we do have our moments. Um, but all in all, look, we help each other with the dogs, and we're just looking out for what's best for, for each of our dogs. So um, most of the time, yeah, we work really well together. All the best this week, I guess. Uh, if the greyhound wins, it's your good work. If it doesn't, <laughs> it's your dad's fault. Uh, so all the best, Angela. The best of both worlds, and uh, good luck uh, in the final. Thank you very much. It's RSN 927's Off the Leash. Angela Galea there joining us. Uh, let's move on to the Watchdog form service. We have the final for Bendigo this week. But, uh, George, how did the Watchdog uh, fare in the heats? Yeah, really well. Uh, tipped a few winners. Four out of the seven, uh, actually, uh, for the Bendigo Heat winners. And uh, none of them had an odds-on pop. But Jabrina at two twenty, Same price for Crimson Vixen. Kurt Lee at $3.20 and Run and Royalty at $2.90. So, as always, get the uh, best Greyhound form and expert selections by downloading the Watchdog app. And uh, now uh, it's got the click-to-bet option. Uh, takes you straight to the tab. All right. Uh, what about some of the best bets at tab, Molly? Uh, 13000 was put on at $2.40 on a greyhound by the name of Rio Mia at Bendigo. There was also 10500 put on at $1.50 on Ultralight at Shepparton and another 10000 at $2.30 on Perfect Marshall at Sandown Park. I wouldn't mind being on any of those. Yeah, fantastic results. Better luck next time. Bets uh, $20,000 at $1.80 on PD. Backy, I think. Yes, that um, Greyhound's actually owned by a group of North Melbourne players. Wow, so they've all put their money together. Yeah, (laughs) they've all put their money together and unfortunately not got over the line. No, the round of applause, though, on uh, Better News, $800 at uh, at Sevens on uh, Jim's Hotel at Geelong and $500 at $10 on Perry Allen, also at Geelong. So uh, well done to those punters. Always remember to gamble responsibly. Let's move on to our Litter of the Week. Now, am I just imagining it? But we often talk about Fernando Bale in your Litter of the Week, uh, Molly. Yes, Slight we bias. do. Oh, yes. I just wondered. I just sometimes <laughs> look at it and I think we've spoken before about that connection. <laughs> yes, look, sometimes it's hard to go past. I think he's he's probably gaining about 60 to 70% of the matings at the moment or in, in the past 12 to 18 months. But look, the Litter I've identified this week is Fernando Bale Flash Riot. And the reason being is Flash Riot is, a, is the Mother of Starter Riot, who won Cranbourne's Trio Winter Trio's Winter Cup. Now, Flash Riot had eleven pups, seven dogs, and four females. And in a story that Jared Guthrie wrote for GRV, Lisa Helmuth, who bred this litter, said that there will be some for sale, which is very exciting. There is some for sale. I've uh, spoken to Lisa about trying to get some for the some Sandown syndications. Dogs. Yeah, hopefully <laughs> they will become draft dogs. Look, uh, Flash Riot came from a very, very good litter, a greyhound called Rowdy, Rousey, and Fuelish. I think began their careers at Ballarat running low 25-10s, which was incredible. They, they were a, a good uh, good litter. Of course, half-sister to Hume Cup winner Raccoon, which was, I think, run of the year um, yep. for Greyhound Clubs Australia. 
yeah, and she's a proven producer, and she's gone to a very, very good sire in Fernando Bale, so certainly yeah, worth a look. It also seemed to be a, a bit of a fluke that the Helmuth got Flash Riot back. From what I read in Jared's story, that um, they gave her away a couple of times, and she kept getting handed back because she had a bit of a nasty streak in her, and um, all of a sudden she's producing uh, you know, some nice types. She did have a mind of her own, <laughs> Flash Riot. <laughs> a few from that letter did, actually. Um, but, uh, no, look, I mean, all you can do, I mean, I, th- I think the, the slate's wiped clean when you become a producer. I mean, it exactly. doesn't matter how good you were. Well, well, it matters. But, um, you know, I think the fact that she's been a, a already a proven producer, it's not just start a riot. There's a couple of others in that mag- uh, Magic Sprite litter which go really nice. They've got lots of early speed. So, yeah, that's a, that's a pretty good litter. A really nice bunch too, 11. Can I ask you just a, a naive question, maybe to a point, but is there any way of looking for anything at all at that young age for a litter if someone was going to go along and purchase one of two or three, is there anything they look for at that young age? Or is it just pot luck? I I, I think Molly and I would both have stories on this. I had a guy once come to my house with a piece of string to measure the the length of the the back legs. Oh, right. Yeah, a lot of people say the first one to come up to me and give me a, you know, I give it a pat is the one I pick. Um, Oh, look, it is really an old uh, workmate of mine said it's dog lotto at this stage, and I think that's what it is. Look, I just, I truly think it's so hard, but I know Dad has always told me when I used to pick dogs for him when he was purchasing um, all those years ago was that don't pick the cutest one because the cutest one was always the one that I wrecked. Actually, Linda used to call it mollified because any of the greyhounds that I whelped or had anything to do with <laughs> were generally, you know, they could sit, they could stay, I could pick them up like yeah. a baby, you know, exactly what you don't want race dogs Molly doing. turned them into couch potatoes yeah. at a very young age. <laughs> I wonder if down the track uh, whether two dogs from the same litter realised that they're related if they were to meet. Are you, Probably not. That, I'm not no. sure whether they when they meet, but there's a, there are actually a, a lot of stories where greyhounds that they're, they're often, especially when you get your owner breeders, they they grow up together. They're in obviously the yard together, then they're in the kennels together, and and you know every now and then they're also adopted into homes together, which is which is really really good. The last thing we want them to do is renew acquaintances on the home turn if yeah. they do know each other, our <laughs> brother and sister. So yeah, we hopefully uh, don't draw next to each other in a race. All right, let's move on to the gap dog of the week, where it is a good idea to pick a dog on uh, its smile or its uh, good looks. Exactly. And now the Gap Girls tell me that the great the Gap Dog of the Week I've identified this week is just one of the most gorgeous old ladies you will come across. She's a six-year-old black female, like I mentioned, by the name of Mary. She raced under the name Loving Angels. They do say that she's a bit of a nature buff and does love the outdoors. She's very quiet and affectionate and isn't phased by too much at all, which is a huge positive, although she can be a little bit scared of new encounters with dogs. They do think she'd prefer a home without children. So if you think you can bring Mary into your home, go to the GAP website, which is gap.grv.org.au. Terrific. More information on the GRV website. Don't forget this Friday, just after 10, we'll be playing on air also my feature from the uh, Gap Adoption Day from uh, the other week. So that's on air this Friday, just after 10. Molly and George, enjoy the week, the Bendigo Cup, and we'll speak uh, next week on Off the Leash. Sounds good. Thanks, Andrew. Want to hear Off The Leash again? It'll be up on iTunes, on Facebook and on the podcast page at rsn.net.au.